0: Life Audio.
1: I am your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, I want to continue our discussion on Israel's place in God's kingdom, Israel's place in God's kingdom. And after a word from our sponsors, we'll get started on the topic today.
0: Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up.
1: On our previous episode, we talked about the Abrahamic covenant established by God uh, and Abraham, meaning it was a contract where God promised Abraham uh, that he would become the uh, father of multitude nations, of many nations. And he promised Abraham that out of his loins, uh, he as well as descendants, descendants will be fruitful And he will make a great nation out of his descendants. And he established this covenant with him. And so uh, during uh, the time of God ushering them into the promised land, God established a a covenant with the descendants from Noah, Abraham, Moses uh, coming afterwards. Um, At the foot of Mount Sinai, God establishes a covenant where God says, I will be your God. And Israel um, would be the uh, metaphorical uh, handmaiden and they would obey God. So God would be God. And um, Israel's part was to obey God. That was the marriage contract. And as part of that contract, they were to abstain from sin. They were to abstain from idolatry. Uh, They were to abstain uh, from anything that God had already condemned, Uh, uh, occultic behavior, anything that God had um, basically uh, dispensed or condemned, they were to stay away from. In the same way, we as Christians, God has set a parameter around our walk and our lives. Um, for example, um, pretty soon, all of us that are in the West, we will be experiencing All, ha- uh, all Hallows' Eve or, as many people call, Halloween. And um, God is already in Deuteronomy 18, as an example. The principle is there that we ought to stay away from darkness. We ought to not participate in um, idol worship. We ought not to participate in demonic activities, all of these things are parameters set by God that we need to follow. Uh, what's happened, just like Israel over the years, is we've made modifications or tried to compromise uh, clear, concise instructions on what we ought not to do. We've made excuses as, "Oh, it's not that bad," or "It's not that serious." Um, I, sh- I can. Uh, distinguish between the darkness and the good. Um, We're just going to have a Halloween party. We're just going, it's innocuous. It's not that bad. But God didn't say that. God didn't say um, stay away from idolatry, stay away from the darkness if you see it as fun. Stay away from the darkness if you see it as not being that bad. God didn't say that, but that's what we've done. So as a result, um, many of us have um, impotent Christian ethics. We've justified many things. We've compromised on many fronts, and the devil in many cases have used uh, some of these things that we've compromised on to leak into our families, to... Uh, leak into our household, leak into our relationships because we have impotent Christian ethics. Our Christian ethics in many cases is hard to find because Christians refuse to um, stand on God's word and they refuse to, to uh, sacrifice some, some things uh, for Jesus' sake. And so that's the state we're in. But getting back to Israel, Israel, when Ever God blessed them in Old Testament, it would only last for a season and they would go back to whoring after other gods or rejecting God's overtures for um, a holy existence. So whenever God saved them, whenever God delivered them, they would be good for a season. Then they would go back to being disobedient. And this was the case, as I said in the previous episode, where God allowed the Assyrians To uh, take over where God allowed the Babylonians to take over where God allowed the Persians to take over. And so this whole ordeal, modern ordeal with um, Israel and Hamas and Hezbollah and the Arab world, um, it's nothing new. It's nothing new. Israel's uh, was displaced because of uh, their reaction to governance. They were displaced because of their reaction to governance. And this reaction, uh, wasn't always based on, uh, theological reasons. Uh, most of the time it was based on social, civic, economic reasons. So during the time of Jesus, as I said in the previous uh, episode, uh, Palestine was ruled by Rome. And uh, because they had issue with how they were being controlled by Rome, many of the Jews rebelled in the first and second century. Uh, And this rebellion was based on political uh, reasons and and then also based on economic reasons, uh, such as heavy taxation and and um, the. Other issues they had with how Rome was governing them led them uh, to, again, rebel against Rome. So under Emperor Nero, uh, one of the Roman governor uh, went into the temple to collect money that the Jews weren't willing to give. But not only that, they collected out of the Jewish, uh, one of the Jewish temples. So um, as a result, that opened up the door for the Jewish war, AD 66 to AD 73. And then the second altercation, as I said before, is the Jews in Rome uh, fought the Kitos war, K-I-T-O-S, from 115 AD to 117 AD. Then a third was called the Bar uh, Kokhba revolt, a Jewish-led conflict uh, from Simon Bar Kokba in 132 AD. And this was the final straw, Rome uh, uh, made, um, the holy land desolate. Rome destroyed many of their places, destroyed the economic infrastructure of the, of the Jews. And as a result, this caused many of the Jews to move out of Palestine and this left a vacuum. So some stayed, but a lot of Jews left because it was unbearable Due to the destruction by Rome and and their and their power to annihilate a uh, uh, part of the region, so Rome, as I said before, did not physically remove the Jews, but because of the inhospitable um, uh, elements, they were forced to leave. Um, so a lot of the Jews left, and then because they left, the Ottomans came in and. Uh, resettled many of their uh, people, who are mostly Arabs. So for 600 years, the Ottoman um, ruled, and part of that time they ruled Palestine. They ruled other parts of the world, but they ruled Palestine. So part of the occupation included in Palestine, which ruled, uh, which they ruled for four centuries, 400 years. So during this time, many of those Jews living outside of Palestine. Uh, wanted to return. And and the Ottoman Empire, uh, which comprised mostly Muslims who controlled Southeast Europe and other parts of the world, um, they weren't keen, or the Arabs around the world, weren't keen to the resettlement or or, uh, the Jews coming back. So after the First World War, Britain gained temporary control of Palestine from 1917, 1917 to 1948. And during this war, discussions were held to determine the future of Palestine. And so Britain set up a committee to discuss this conflict. And out of that committee uh, was created the Balfour Declaration. And this declaration was to ratify the belief that the Jews should be given a national home uh, despite their declaration. This didn't happen uh, overnight until uh, the Second World War. Um, In 1947, the United Nations, with consent from President Harry S. Truman, um, adopted Resolution 181 called the Partition Resolution. And this resolution uh, did declare that both Jews and Arabs would share Palestine. Let us take a break to recognize our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Uh, So this is where we are now uh, because of the resettlement of the Jews in uh, 1947 uh, or uh, after the second world war. um, We have this conflict still going on. Many of the uh, Arab states um, rejected the state of Israel and they've been fighting ever since. And they have declared to not ever recognize the state of Israel. So as I said before, we need to consider, consider the following issues. Um, both Jews and Arabs claim Abraham, right? They uh, uh, they both claim that they are descendants of Abraham, and in believing in the Bible, uh, we as Christians believe that the blessings came through Isaac and not Ishmael um, uh, from Hagar. So Jews believe they are God-chosen people, and their blessings come through Isaac. However, Muslims believe Allah has blessed them through the lineage of Ishmael. Uh, Number two, some have asked if the Jews today are the legitimate offsprings of the Jews of the Bible. And we talked about that last last week. Uh, This question must be answered in light of the following question. Is Jewishness based on race? Is Jewishness based on culture? Is Jewishness based on religious mandates or following religious customs? Or is Jewishness based on language? Or is Jewishness based on religion or faith in God? There is a Jewish remnant who are direct descend- uh, descendants of Abraham. We also know that God has a place in his kingdom for the Jews who accept Christ. To answer the questions about who is a Jew, we must answer those questions that I just posed. Uh, it's noteworthy that God is more interested, according to the New Testament, God Uh, he created the blessings for Abraham. Uh, he, he has covered the Jews. He has led them, um, through their whole history. He has emboldened them. He has preserved them. He has sheltered them. Yes, God has a place for, uh, the Jews based on his covenant with Abraham, but it comes with a qualification. Uh, God doesn't see them as being justified just because they're Jews, they're justified if they accept Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Yahshua. That's where their justification comes into effect. And many many Jews are willing to hold on to their history and how Jehovah has carried them through the years, and how Jehovah has protected them, and they have still reject the Messiah. They don't believe that Jesus is the true Messiah. They rejected his kingdom of God uh, teaching and preaching, and so as a result, they, um, they're, they're not justified. Paul reinforces this idea that just because you're a Jew by race doesn't automatically justify you. But God still has a plan for, the, for those Jews who uh, repent and accept the Messiah and accept Jesus Christ. Does the land of Palestine belong to the Jews or Arabs? So as a Christian, it's clear that God has promised the land to Jewish people. And it's even in our uh, eschatological scope where God has a plan for Jerusalem. God has a plan for the Holy Land as predicted in the Old Testament um, uh, circa Ezekiel. So God has a plan for his people. God has a plan for Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, uh, the holy place is part of God's eschatological promise to us. So as a Christian, yes, uh, the land has a place in God's, um, God's plan, and God has a place for the Jewish people as far as they accept Christ. Justification is not coming to the Jewish people if they don't accept Christ. They won't be justified. They'll be just as condemned as any other people who reject Jesus Christ. So on that day that the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt. As far as the great river, the river Euphrates regarding the salvation of the Jews, the apostle Paul said the following brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. Romans 10 and one. So uh, Paul's desire is that Israel get saved, that Israel repent, and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Paul himself said, I am a Jew, a Hebrew of Hebrews, circumcised on the eighth day from the lineage or the offspring of the the Benjamin tribe. He said, if anybody uh, has Jewish claims, I have a right. I'm the real thing. I am an authentic Jew, but I counted my Jewishness as secondary to Knowing Jesus Christ, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering. Paul says, my main goal in life is to know Jesus, number one, and to get to know him uh, in his power and in the fellowship of his suffering. So his Jewishness is secondary. Jewishness doesn't didn't save Paul. Paul understood that what matters most while he's still living is to know Jesus Christ and to know him as both Lord and Savior. So that is uh, uh God's desire for uh for his people for for the Jews as well as for the Gentiles. He wants the Jews to become followers of Jesus Christ, to accept Yahshua, to accept uh, uh, the Messiah, to accept Kyrios in the Greek, uh, the Messiah. So we all can learn from Paul's testimony. doesn't matter. You can be as Greek as you want to be, but you have to come by Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter. You can be of uh, uh, Arabic uh, tradition uh, or culture. You can still accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It doesn't matter. You can be as African or African-centric as you want to be, um, but you still have to come by Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter. You can, come, you can be as Hindu as Hindu uh, uh, can be, but you can still accept Jesus Christ because God wants all people to have an opportunity to accept Jesus the Christ. When we stand in front of God, Our justification has to come through Jesus Christ. It's not coming through our tradition, our cultural traditions. It's not coming through our our cultural idioms. It's not coming through uh, who we know or how much we have in the bank or don't have. It has to come through Jesus Christ. So the next question is, how should Christians respond to the conflict in Palestine, which I've already touched on? Again, God has a place for Israel in his kingdom, and this place is contingent on the Israelite or the Jew accepting Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. So when a Christian says we support Israel, it is due to God's plan for them, right? We support Israel in a sense that out of the tribes of Israel, God knows that there's going to be a remnant. There's going to be those in the tribe of Israel that will accept Yahshua. So in that case, we support Israel, uh, number one, because of the salvation plan. Number two, because of the eschatological plan. God has a place uh, for uh, those tribes, and he has a place and a plan for those that that are coming out of the root of Israel, based on his covenant with, with uh, Abraham. So, his agenda or his priority is to get Israel saved. It's not based exclusively on their lineage, but instead on their faith. In the kingdom to come, all of us will worship together. There will be different races, as I said before, and ethnicities who have made Jesus their Lord and Savior. There will even be errors by ethnicity who are genuine believers, and they also will be part of the great wedding Banquet. A lot of people will be shocked when they get to heaven and they see all this multiplicity of religions, tongues, cultures who have accepted Jesus as Yahshua, who have accepted Jesus as Kyrios, who have accepted Jesus as the legitimate way to heaven uh, um, and to see the Father. So uh, it's best that we get a trial rehearsal here where we start seeing people for what they can become in Jesus instead of leaning on our cultural identities. Cultural identities are fine. Uh, nationalism has its place, but when it comes to Jesus, we're all equal. When it comes to Jesus, it, we, we, we're um, uh, all on the same level. Uh, when it comes to the cross, it's a level playing field. So all of us, despite Our upbringing, despite our cultural embracements, despite the language that we speak, despite how we dress, God wants us to have an opportunity to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. Revelation chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. John writes, after this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth so that no wind would blow on the earth or on the sea or any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and sea saying, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bond servants of our God on on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, of Judah rather, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. From the tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. From the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. From the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. From the tribe of Levi, 12,000. From the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. From the tribe of Zebulon, 12,000. From the tribe of Joseph, 12,000. From the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. So, God is calling for Israel to repent so they may be part of that number that God has already prophesied about. So, it's not the the, the primary concern isn't about uh, land. It's about people and God wants to save uh, the, the, the Jews because of his contract with Abraham. God wants to uh, save the Gentiles Because we all came from the lineage of Noah uh, through his three sons. So God has a plan for Jews as well as non-Jews. And the non-Jews are indicative of the rest of the world who are not Jews. uh, and, And John writes, after these things, I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and people and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands and they cry out with a loud voice saying salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb and all the angels were standing around the throne around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying amen blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever Amen. Wherever we see injustice, we must condemn it as Christians. Conversely, when we witness people doing good, we must encourage it. As Christians, we are to operate life like a referee. A good referee referee never takes sides. Their obligations are the rules. Likewise, we as Christians uh, must only take the side of God. When we see Israel doing good, we must support them. When they transgress, we must condemn the act. This is the same for the Arab people. Ultimately, what is most important is for both the Jews and the Arabs to repent and accept Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. I pray this episode has been edifying to you. I pray that you do further study on God's plan for Israel. I pray for you that uh, you're able to blossom spiritually and allow God to move you. Uh, to where you need to be. And we are constantly praying for you as a ministry. We ask that you pray for us and continue to do for the truth what so many people do or for a lie. And please don't forget to support us financially if possible.
0: Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time, and remember, Titus 1-9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy messages has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org.
1: And as always, we would like to thank our friends at Life Audio. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty
0: Saints Podcast. We're a Theology and Apologetics podcast.
1: We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, We hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.